All right. Here we are. Here we are. Science in between. Welcome I'm Ollie. Back. Wait, welcome welcome back. back. Welcome back. Well, you know, I'm just mixing Ollie. it up a little bit, keeping keeping it fresh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got some fresh kicks. That's yeah. Ollie. This is Scott. Yeah, that is Scott. And I am Ollie. And this yeah. is, it's still science in between, fresh or not. This is what it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it is. So I, so I guess I'll set this up since this yes. is, you know, I threw this out. Uh, Scott and I are working on uh, some professional development. We, we've talked about this in other episode, episodes. We're, you know, working on professional development for, um, you know, state science standards that are connected to the next generation science standards. And uh, they've been released in the state and we're doing some professional development and we're focusing on, um, the ambitious science teaching um, practices and practice four is all about like evidence-based explanations, helping students, pressing them for evidence-based explanations. And so we've been thinking a lot about the tools and the tasks and the talk that we do as teachers to try to help support that um, with, with students and, mm-hmm. and really fleshing that out. And one of the things, and you've done a lot of work with this is this, this concept of, of, of summary tables. And I think it kind of spans those three like categories. Cause I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is definitely something that uh, it's a tool in itself. Right. Uh, but it's, it, it, scaffolds tasks for students but it's all built around talk right at least mm-hmm. you know at least in it's because it can be done individually but it can i think it's most powerful um when it's done in small groups or and then leads to that larger group discussion and so i think yeah. we probably should you know before i go too far down this you know do you want to like kind of outline what the parts of a summary table is and sure yeah you know, I mean, yeah, let's, uh, I mean, I guess probably the place to start is just to think about the arc of a, a typical ambitious right. science teaching unit, right? Yep. So if, if we're thinking about ambitious science teaching, we begin with some phenomenon, uh, and then students develop their initial explanation of that phenomenon. Then there's a series of investigations where they investigate smaller phenomena or they do activities that allow them to gather evidence and begin to reason about aspects of the larger anchor phenomenon. And then at the end, they bring all that together and develop a a more robust and evidence-based explanation from all the evidence that they gathered in these, these investigations and these activities. So, um, so the summary table is pretty straightforward, but it's a way to organize all of that information so that the class and the individual students can keep track of it because these units can be long. They could be six, eight weeks long and multiple activities obviously are happening. And so keeping track of all this so they can bring it all together at the end, you need some kind of tool. So so the summary table is a sort of um, variation on a tool that has been used in in classrooms, science, and otherwise for a long time. This sort of KWL um, right. table, which was what we want, what we know, what we want to know, and what we've learned. Um, this one is has different different columns because we have a different outcome, but essentially it is a way of organizing the knowledge of the classroom so that everybody can can access it and can use it as they as they build their own explanations. So this is a resource that students use, you know, kind of like a you know science notebook or anything else that they use as they're going through this whole investigatory cycle, right? So the whole, you know, cycle of, you know, looking at the anchoring phenomenon, but also these, you know, this other phenomenon, these supportive phenomenon, the 
What's the investigatory? I use that term, but I yeah, but you you don't want to. You you just I I misplaced where it belongs. I guess, (laughs) but it is so. It it, it's a radically different cycle than what is traditional, you know, science teaching, right? Science typical science teaching is like, you know, you know, we have lots of lectures, and then maybe sprinkle in a lab here and there, where this is all. Well, not all, but mostly in mm-hmm. investigations yeah, that are a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, um, what that another shift that that does is it shifts away from the idea of notes in a traditional sense where like I have a set of information that I'm going to transmit to kids via, you know, a, a, a whiteboard or an overhead projector or some mode of, you know, PowerPoint slides where I'm going to have kids write stuff into notes. Instead, it's much more of a notebook. And that sounds like a, a subtle distinction. But if you think of a lab notebook as a place where you gather data and evidence and you're as well as your own thinking about things, that's what a, a good lab notebook or a good science notebook looks like. And then the summary table can both go or live in a student's notebook and also a version of it lives out in the public space where everybody can see it. So so that and we'll talk about this, um, but that movement back and forth between my own summary table that I make and the class summary table um, is an important part of the science discourse in a classroom. It's it's part of how you get from the small group work to the whole class work um and how you share those ideas out and how you come to consensus about those ideas um so so summary table is a is a really sort of pivotal tool um along with uh you know gapless explanation which we can talk about you know another time um but those two tools together are, are pretty critical in, in thinking about ambitious science teaching i think the the important shift i think if someone's listening to this and they either have experiences as a traditional science teacher or as a student in a traditional science classroom is that this the ast cycle is all around sense making and sense making through you know looking at different phenomena and having these conversations and trying to build explanations around that mm-hmm. um and so this is a sense making tool um yep. And that's the critical part. And I know that sounds like a fancy word, sense-making, but it's really, mm. you know, I mean, that's what we do as humans. We try to make sense of the world around us. And I think that shifting science classes to be that is more of an authentic, more authentic of not just what, you know, science people do, but also what what we do as as, as humans. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we try to do. And yeah. I think giving them the tools in a way, I mean, we're all trying to do this. It's just, Science does it differently than, you know, other domains and other disciplines. And this, I think training them, you know, or supporting them to think about it from a scientific point of view is is, is a critical process. Yeah. And and what's different largely is the evidence, um, the, the what counts as evidence. And, and uh, so, <clears throat> you know, you hear this a lot that there are connections to to language arts because language arts has has in its structure the similar idea that you have sort of a thesis statement and you support it with with evidence and um and sometimes that can be confusing for kids because the language is slightly different between the two but but this idea of evidence and using it to build your explanation support your explanation is is really important one thing i do want to emphasize though that i think is important about what you said is 
there's a big difference between the final form, which is the claims evidence reasoning or the final sort of written, we've made our claim sort of thing. And the sense-making talk is very important. Like you want kids uh, up until the point where you're really trying to to come to consensus and and bring, you know, say, what was this activity really about? What evidence did we, did we see? What claims can we make from that evidence? Before that, you want this to be a place where kids are um, playing in the space, right? Where they're making mm-hmm. sense by having ideas and seeing if those ideas work out, not thinking of it like everything I state has to be evidence supported and and a clear claim, you know, it, it that there's a lot more mushiness to the to the discourse um, between kids before you get to that sort of formalized stage where you're going to put things in the summary table. Is that a technical term? Yeah, mushiness? mushiness. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, yeah. Like you squeeze it, it comes out the ends a little bit and it's, you know, it's mushy. You know, I, I like that imagery. That's nice. That's Thank great. you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm here for. So, so what do you think? Well, I, I think one of the big shifts that you talked about was seeing our roles as science teachers as not uh, just, you know, conveying or, you know, sharing, transmitting information, but, you know, fostering this discourse and that what we're most closely aligned to is now like maybe language arts teachers, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, and you mentioned that in a uh, when we were planning a couple of days ago, you said that you're like, hey, I think we have to. One of the things we have to really draw upon is people's experiences in English classrooms, because you know that thesis statement and what you know here's the thesis statement. What supporting details do you have that you can use with that? It's sort of the same sort of process that we're trying to do here, except for you know we're using evidence from you know things we collect from you know observations or data that we collect from you know studying phenomena you know that's mm-hmm. the critical difference yeah yeah i mean the right i mean in english you use the text as your as your source of evidence right or right. multiple texts um and and i think actually one of the things we try to get away from in science is the idea that the text is the source of evidence right because we think we don't want a text or a textbook to be the authoritative evidence we want nature or the natural world or our interactions with it to be the the source of evidence so um but yeah i think i think one of another one of the many transitions that teachers have to think about as they move towards more responsive forms of pedagogy more ambitious forms of pedagogy um and is that you ha- you have to position yourself much more so as a writing teacher than you would have in the past like you need to show examples of student work to your students and walk through them why is this a good explanation what what's missing here how do we think about improving this explanation like those kinds of conversations are things that you would be a normal part of a science classroom now whereas that never would have been part of a conversation in a science classroom before because we weren't talking about explanations the explanations were already there you were just remembering them because other people had made them and now you're developing your own explanations so thinking about which ones are good, which ones are better supported, all this kind of stuff um, changes the role that the teacher plays in the classroom. And they really do need to start thinking of themselves as somebody who at least part of their job is to help with literacy. And and similarly, and we can talk more about this with math, right? Math becomes a, a, a critical piece of, of how you make your argument. And so 
teachers of science have to help kids understand representations in math and how they tell stories and and how that leads to potentially equations and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it it really does lend itself much more to these interdisciplinary connections. So, is for folks out there who may not have experience with uh with summary tables, is it like? a KWL chart in which you have like this general KWL that you just throw out. I mean, you can use a KWL table for anything, right? You can, I mean, it's a general, or is this task specific or do you, are you creating a summary table that's like, okay, we're studying, you know, tanker trucks. We're going to create a summary table for that. Oh, we're going to study, you know, this other thing, a candle, you know, in a, in a jar or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever phenomenon is this based on, the unit that we're studying, or is this something that can be like sort of general that, Hey, like I'm going to pull, I know it's, it's, it's an individual small group, whole class thing, mm-hmm. you know, that you can use that in a variety of settings or even have one lead into the next lead into the next. And, but I, I am wondering just to help, you know, the audience, people who might be out there listening, you know, is this a general or specific or both? Um, yeah. I mean, it's a general tool that gets used in a specific way, right? So, um, so you can use a summary table for any ambitious science teaching unit. Um, so, and you should, like you should use it in, in every case, um, because it is that it is the sort of organizational backbone, especially for the students. Um, so in that sense, it's a general tool, but a summary table is also specific to the unit as it gets filled in, right? So the the activities that you include and how you talk about them and how they're linked to the larger phenomenon is very contextual and specific to the anchoring phenomenon that you're working on and the activities that you did to get there. Right. Yeah. And and this is a lot. A lot of this, all of it, is discourse based, right? So we're we're trying to get students to to talk about this and, right. and s- study things, and you know, really, you know, talk about this in in their and and I think that puts a lot of work on us as teachers to really ask good questions. And yeah, yeah, and it also, I mean, the other piece of it is that it. Um, the other piece that it organizes in terms of the curriculum is related to that thinking and that talk is at some point in every activity, you get to the point where you've collected the data, you've thought through it, and now you want to make these formalized claims. And so in classrooms, that's the point at which you you do um, that sort of formalizing as claims, evidence, reasoning, or as we often talk about it evidence reasoning claim because you you're starting with the evidence and you're saying based on that evidence what kind of claims can we make and what's the science ideas that tie those things together so oftentimes um you know at the end of one of these activities that would be the thing that is happening in a classroom is maybe in small groups first and then individually kids are writing an evidence reasoning claim document or a claims evidence reasoning document if you prefer that that captures what they learn in that activity. And then that information as a class gets put into the summary table. Um, so that's part of that, of the whole process of the developing of the explanation is at the end of an activity, you say, okay, we're done now with, you know, this can crushing activity that we just did. So what did we observe in that? What, what can we make claims about from that? And in some cases, then how does that connect to our larger anchoring phenomena? Now, sometimes you leave that off for a while because revisiting that too often is can be a little exhausting for kids. But 
but getting that getting everybody to agree this is what we learn from that activity is is really one of those the central functions of the of the summary table i just want to you know highlight work you've done around this because you and and our colleague craig ray right mm-hmm. craig uh who's out in pittsburgh right now yep, um he, he was he was your postdoc right right yep so you guys just have an article that came out in science scope at, uh last fall yeah, so. in November, and we'll we'll put that a link to that in the show notes. I think it's still available. I think it's for free. Maybe it's not. Maybe you have to be a member at this point. But yeah, we have we have an article about summary tables. It sort of talks about how summary tables can be used to support explanations. It has some examples. They're geoscience explanations because those are the that's the kind of work I do outside of um, my teacher education work. I have a sort of and outside of your podcasting. Well, I mean, my podcasting is really about eighty percent of my work. Um, so, so the well, other is ninety percent of mine. Yeah, right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's it's geoscience based and based on a project that was in collaboration with a group called the Concord Consortium, and I think we've talked about them before too. But, um, but so when, uh, when you when you did this with with students and teachers, because this was a, uh, you know, part of a grant funded project that you did. Mm-hmm. What were the, like the main challenges that you had? Was, I mean, was it the shifts um, with teachers to like seeing this as, you know, a uh, a critical part of their practice? Because it's, not, it's like really a shift for them, right? And it's a shift for students too, because they're like, I mean, I think there are some students who find comfort just coming in and taking notes from a PowerPoint slide, right? I mean, they're like, yeah. oh, you've you've done all the work for me. Just you've digested it and right. brought it down to like four bullet points. I'm happy to write that stuff down. Thank yeah. you very much. Right. You know, um, so what are the big shifts and the big challenges that you experienced when you were, you know, doing these these units? Because I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. think that's represented in the article. No, um, it's not. I mean, the article is really just pretty narrowly focused. I mean, NSTA articles are relatively short, so they, they do yep. what they can do. Um, so, uh, and it's practice based. It's all about like, Hey, here's a, here's uh, since the audience for those are, um, those journals are practitioner based. It's a right. lot of, Hey, here's how you use this thing or here's, and here are the, you know, the benefits. And these are the things that you have to think about when you do this kind of, so, I mean, I think that that provides a great, you know, if you're a teacher, who's like trying to expand your repertoire of activities and, you know, and techniques and strategies. I mean, it's a, it's an awesome resource, yeah. but then, you know, what are some of the challenges, you know, cause I don't know, I know if all, those always get unpacked. Yeah. I mean, well, the cha- challenges are, are manifold as, as you know, right. I mean, we've been learning from this professional development. I mean, yeah. the, probably the most fundamental problem is um, all humans, I think are, are resistant to change and yeah. and especially if um if that change threatens a sense of who they are as people right and so i think when we work with teachers um i'll i'll speak for myself right like if i look back at the way i taught when i was in high school uh, a high school teacher um now knowing what i know i think wow i I could have been a lot better. I could have done a lot of things a lot differently than I did back then. Um, but it, but it's hard when you're, you know, when you think of yourself and, and maybe you are in many respects, a good teacher in your yeah. classroom, it's hard to say, Oh, what I've been doing is not what 
I don't want to say is bad because I don't think it's bad per se, but it's not what I would have wanted to be doing if I had known about what I am now learning about. And I think that that is a really hard mental shift. So all of the other stuff is cascades out of that for me is that, you know, people, you know, the response to that is varied. Like some people say, oh, I already do this. Some people ask like, well, where's the data on this? I want to know if this works better than what I'm doing now. Like there's all sorts of responses to this, but I think at the core of it, it's a fear of having to say maybe that you're not, at, at doing as good a job as you thought you were, at least given this new way of thinking about science teaching. And I think nobody wants to feel that way. Nobody right. wants to feel <laughs> like, oh, actually, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I always thought of myself as a good science teacher. And and now I have to rethink that thought uh, that I may not be serving my students as well as I thought I was. And and that's a super uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. That's that's uh, broader than summary tables, right? It's like it yeah. is, but I think you know the summary t- the summary tables and any of these pieces. I think that's part of it. Is right, you know, we keep talking about it as a big shift. Well, part of it is what it really is is a little shift in everything that you do, right? So, so that adds up to a big shift. But you know, many teachers do use some version of the KWL chart. Right. So they may say, oh, yeah, I use these kinds of organizational charts all the time. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm sure that you do. But the difference isn't that you do or do not use these things. It's how you use these things. Right. It's the same with phenomenon we talk about. Right. Like a lot of the sort of what we talk about as the investigatory phenomenon are labs that teachers are already doing. Right. So it's not that these are new experiences for kids. It's how you are framing those experiences for kids and what the kids do versus what you do in those experiences that really changes that thing. And a teacher who says, well, I already do that. It's a way for them to like almost feel a little bit of comfort in saying, okay, well, I I do those types of activities with my students then I'm 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 doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing the, the right stuff. Yeah. But it's it's really shifting who's doing the talking and who's doing the facilitating and, and how they're, and ultimately what the the final product looks like, because Mm -hmm. the final product here isn't being able to answer a multiple choice, you know, test where they're answering things as right as wrong. It's Mm -hmm. about like being able to develop an explanation, you know, that's evidence-based and, uh, and saying, and linking back to whatever this phenomenon is, but also connecting it to the, the broader concepts that, you know, is, is really what these units are about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's a that's a big shift for teachers. It is, and and it is, yeah. I mean, I do think that identity piece is a. I mean, this is is your dissertation, right? I mean, right. I think the, this idea that it's it's it is both an identity and an emotional process to to shift your practice in significant ways because you your practice is part of who you are. Yep, and and that when you feel like you're not in control, uh, and and this. That that feeling happens a lot in these yeah. kinds of, you know, units. Like, because it's it's well, you have control when you say this is the thing I want you to learn or this is the thing I want you to memorize. But whenever it's like the students are saying, "Hey, let's try this," or or their explanation is so you know different than the canonical science of the time, then you're just like, right. "Okay, I'm I'm failing as a science teacher." Right. Right. Yeah. And it's utter chaos in my classroom, and you know. 
and the, the you know the principal comes in and says, "Well, hold on, what's this going on here? This isn't what the person next door is doing. What are you right. doing? You know, right. you're what? the you're the oddball. You're the that's not how we. I mean, that was one of the themes of my dissertation, right? Was yeah. you know that's not how we learn science here. That's not how we teach right. science here. You know, right. yeah, you're the powerpoints. <laughs> yeah, right. Where where's the control? Like you're out of right. control. Like you're out of control. Your class is out of control. Like what's going on here? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard, and I've I continue to struggle with that. I mean, we've talked about Dave McRaney's book, and and we'll ev- eventually we'll revisit that. But but this this idea of um, you know, how do you change people's minds? And his answer is, well, you don't. You have to. They have to change have their to change own their minds, mind. right? And so, how do you figure out how to engage with teachers where you know? And I I still like I said I'm struggling with this because I still want to tell them like look if you do it this way it'll be better for you right and but that's the that's the thing you're that's the worst thing you can do right because they say it's it doesn't need to be better it's already good like you're threatening my identity when you say that you're telling me that my thinking is wrong and my kids get fours and fives on the the AP test come on you know yeah you can't tell me that what I'm doing is yeah it is hard it is hard absolutely but I think that you know teaching some units like this and, and, and helping them to see the, not just the benefits in terms of, you know, what the difference in what the classroom looks like, you know, and the students access, but also like how much more the students are going to enjoy the science and how much more they're going to enjoy teaching. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the stuff you're seeing like in, in your work at, you know, at the the one middle school is that, you know, the teachers who, some of the teachers were just like ready to, you know, call it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm out, I'm out yeah. or like, are now going, Hey, you know, this is a lot of fun. This is, you know, really engaging and you're getting, you know, kids into science by doing science, you yeah. know, rather but than learning that, about like, science. When you describe it, like, this is the thing that I'm struggling with. And I know you struggle with too, right? Which is all of that sounds like I'm trying to convince you of something, right? Like yeah. we are trying to convince people like, this will be more fun for you. Like it feels like forced family fun with the kids, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you're really going to enjoy the biggest ball of twine. You can't even <laughs> wait. Like it's going to be so awesome. And and when we pull off the highway and there's the biggest ball of twine, look, you, they're like, you're be, right? they're like, come what? on, let's go to the shoe house. Let's go to the shoe house. <laughs> it's like, come on. They're like, so really? This you, you idea that like, like, yeah, right? you're going to convince people. Yeah, th- it's going to be more fun for you. It's going to be better for you. And and the problem is that it they're even if that's true, which I, I think you and I both believe it is true. I think it's better for the students. It's better yeah. for the teacher. Everybody enjoys it more. But as you so aptly pointed out, to get to that place, you have to go through some pain and suffering. Like you have yeah. to you have to be unsure of yourself. You have to be a, a novice again. You have to experience like, hey, that lesson did not go well. Like things did not happen the way I wanted it to. And that for somebody, especially somebody who's been teaching for a lot of years, that is a is a very hard feeling to want to walk into because you're basically saying, I want to walk into a space where I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to feel like I'm not doing a good job and I, I'll feel like my students are not being well served by me in the hope that when I get to the other side and I get better at this stuff, that there will be some improvement that I'll notice. Um, and but, that's that's a hard but- thing. But you, you talk about experienced teachers, but like think about a brand new teacher who's coming out and is like, you know, we're, you know, both working in, in some ways with, you know, new teachers and they're coming out and we're trying to give them this, you know, I don't know if the term is still in vogue, like this reform minded, you mm-hmm. know, pedagogy, right? Where it's like really, you know, connected to, 
you know, next generation science centers. And most of the people that we work with in this, this PD group are in some capacity doing this kind of work with new teachers mm-hmm. yep. and, and they're entering schools and there is a, a normative process that happens, right? There's like, Hey, that's like, they're entering classrooms or entering schools or departments in which, you know, science teaching isn't this way, right? When they talk of, you know, ambitious science teaching or phenomenon based, you know, science instruction is like really, you know, a far reach and it's, Mm -hmm. and to be the new teacher. And then you go in and the students are like, well, what are we supposed to learn? Well, let's learn together. Like, let's, let's, and Mm -hmm. that threatens their expertise, right? It threatens who they are as, and so I get it. I mean, it's hard for everybody. It's hard for everybody. Um, But I think that's what's great about connecting it back to the show, like our episode today. I think having these types of tools like a summary table, like get, you know, like the the other things we're going to, you know, talk about in future episodes. I think that those are, those are things that are really can help make that a little bit easier because here, okay, here's a, and I think students, while it's simple, they like to be able to put something in a box, right? That is, yeah. there's the kids are like, okay, you know, I can, you know, kids love check boxes, you know, like check, yeah. you know, checklists, you know, because that's a, you know, um, evidence based checklist, you know, that's the, right. you know, the checklist for, you know, gotta haves. We'll, we'll, we could probably yeah. do an episode about that too. But like having those kinds of tools can, you know, make that a little bit easier, can make that, you know, the a little less bumpy. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think both students and teachers, um, we, oh, humans want clarity, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things that is hard about ambitious forms of practice or phenomenon driven science teaching or however you want to characterize this kind of teaching um, is there is a lot of ambiguity like there it, it, it's built in like the purpose of it is to create a context where students have to grapple with ambiguity and misunderstanding um and that makes people uncomfortable so i think one of the advantages of the summary table as you say is it is a place where now we can say okay we've had a lot of ambiguity we've had a lot of confusion we've had a lot of conversations we've had a lot of thinking now we're going to decide what are the actual important things that we need to remember and keep track of from all this work that we did and we're going to agree as a community of science learners what are the key pieces of evidence that we need to carry forward what kind of claims we can make from that evidence and what the reasoning is that ties those things together and that's what a summary table does is it gives a sense of, okay, we've gone through all this messy data collection. We've done all this stuff. We've had all these conversations. And now what is it that we agree is important to remember? Well, that's the formalization into the claims evidence reasoning or the evidence reasoning claim um, document in the summary table. And I do think it, these kind of tools, these kinds of structures are critically important for transitioning both kids and teachers into these kinds of practice. So I'm going to make a connection and you're going to hate it, but I, I'm going to make I it, it anyway. Hate you it hate it. I'm going to put it, put it out there anyway, but uh, I think that it's, it's not to that. It's not to the thing that I hate most in the world. Is it? It's, it probably is. It's oh. very close to it. Oh. I'm going to, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Cause I think that, uh, you know, okay, just do it. Different. Just rip the bandaid off. Don't, don't okay. tell us anymore. No, let me, just set, tell let me us. set it up. Okay. Is so I, uh, listening to the, uh, Adam Grant podcast recently, mm-hmm. they had, um, a teacher on who's like really uses a lot of um, games in their classroom, video games. And mm-hmm. so they've become sort of like this, you know, profit advocate for gameplay. And, mm-hmm. um, and in their interview, in Adam Graves' interview, um, and I, I should try to 
Google. I'll put it, I'll put the you know link in the show notes. They talked about self determination theory. All right, so I know that's in the cognitive world, and mm-hmm. that like causes your skin to bristle. But I think that the the perspectives that they share, I think, are connected because they were talking about like the power of video games and why it connects with people. Is you know these three concepts? It's that there's a competence piece, mm-hmm. a connection piece, and an autonomy piece. Mm-hmm. You know, and those three things are what drive people to some way in in a video game. So they can either, you know, work independently, you know, to build their competence, move to next levels, you know, and they're building connections either with other people or they're building connections, you know, by learning new tasks and new things. I mm-hmm. think that is, you know, at the heart of what, you know, summary tables can do. I think that those those sort of aspects, even though we don't want to talk, you don't you know, a bristle at the cognitive, you know, perspectives. But I think that that is this is a way to scaffold that, right? This is a way to scaffold all three of those. You things. mean summary tables? Summary tables. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. I I agree with that part. I mean, I think we should put a pin in this, like gamification right. and whatever. But I mean, my my gut instinct isn't so much a response to the cognitive nature of that, though. I if I knew more about it, I might. But assail it. You would assail it. You would just like, probably, maybe we'll see. <laughs> Drop <But> kick it. <laughs> what, what I would say is, I mean, I think the thing that, um, is, is, um, what's the right word? I mean, persuasive, but also dangerous about that argument is games by their nature, um, are, are attempts, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're simplifications that are designed to lead you quickly to things that will encourage you to continue to play the game. Right. Right. So, uh, so, and that, um, is not the way the actual world works in the sense that when you're trying to, when you're trying to build an explanation in a science classroom, it requires a lot of difficult struggle and ambiguity that is not immediately rewarded. Now it, it can, it does, and often will reward you on a much different and bigger level but but I think one of the things that games can do, and there's research about this, right, um, is is it can make you more uh, focused on short term like accomplishment that gives you that little endorphin rush, right? right. Than than the longer term, um, more complex behaviors or thinking or or um, whatever you want to call it. So I think, yeah, I mean, well, I wasn't making we the connection talk about to game. I wasn't making a connection that the summary tables are games. I wasn't making that connection. I was saying that the the root things that draw people to games in terms of, you know, from, you know, this person's argument um, was around competence, coherence, you know, uh, competence, connection, and autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, that those three elements are elements that, you know, to some degree are also, you know, present in, in summary tables or the activity around that. And it's sure, a scaffold. And ambitious forms of instruction. I mean, the, the connection part probably is where summary tables most plays a role, right? Because that's right. really what the summary table is there to do is help people build those connections across multiple activities. So in that sense, yeah, absolutely. That was the argument I was making. I wasn't saying that it was a game or that video games or even making a case for video games, you know? Um, I was more just saying, you know, and saying how that came into my brain hole, you know? Yeah. That's how it got there, you know? Okay. Got in your brain hole. 
Yes. Get one of those wire brushes. It'll get that I know, right clean out that there. out just there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anytime, anytime that cognitive stuff comes in, you're just like, ah, yeah, get, oh. end gaming. Wow, you really right. Okay, but that's for no. another day. And we could we could talk about gaming. We could talk about yeah. gamification. We talk, you know, yeah, we can. I, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we're not going to do it now though. Put a pin in that. You know what we're going to do now? We're going to talk about joys. Yeah, and you're going to do it. We have a shared joy, not a, a joint joy. Not a joint joy, a shared <laughs> a joy. Sh- a shared joy. So uh, recently, this was uh, this was shared, you know, just a couple of days ago for in our our world, um, but your world, it could be like a year ago. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, there's a website called Educational Technology and Mobile Learning, um, and somehow Science in Between made it on their list of the 17 best science podcasts in 2023. And so um, someone shared it with me. It was off my radar, but within a day or two of it being published online, it got to me. I shared it with Scott. We were both like blown away by the fact that, you know, we kind of got that recognition. And they had 17 on the list and we were in the top five. We were number five. Look at us. Which is, look at us. And so it's somebody who works in, you know, education. And the other thing that was pretty interesting is looking at the little summary that they did, it's somebody who just didn't read the titles. They actually either listened to an episode or two or looked at the show notes enough yeah. that because like, you know, our our titles are pretty meaningless. Uh yeah, they're let's let's call them cryptic, not meaningless. I mean, well, you have to listen to the episode. Right. It's like the inside joke of the show, yeah, right? That's, that's right. what they're usually are. It's they like typically the, are, yeah. They're the thing you and I found the funniest, you know. Yeah, they, usually, if we can tie yeah. it into what the actual theme of the show was to some degree, then that's right. bonus. Yeah, I suspect mushiness might be part of the title today. <laughs> well, we'll see. It is an odd mm. episode, so we know we know who's making the title. Um, but yes, which which means that there will be a title. There will. Well, there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, untitled episode arguably is a title. <laughs> it's a title. <laughs> it's a default title, right? It's 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 still a title. They didn't obviously that didn't have any effect on on us being on the best po- science podcast, no. you know? No, no. but maybe like, you know sometimes the episodes uh, are unnamed. You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> and they they did put um, back to our my point about what is the thing I hate most in the world. It, they actually put it in the summary of topics that we've covered. So um, I'm not going to speak the words out loud because I have to pay Mark Winchettle a dollar whenever I do that. But the, oh, yeah. but the third thing in the list of of the topics we might cover there is uh, right after Next Generation Science Standards are words that I do not utter. I will say it, a pedagogical content knowledge because yeah, I have to pay no one. <laughs> Ugh, just made me sick. And then, and then, then there's the one that you, you have to deal with more than me, which is the, has the T in front of it, which is just, you know, like a whole nother world unto itself. I'm, yeah. I'm missing you. No, you're not. So take the words that you just said and turn oh, them into technological an pedagogical content. Oh, I missed that. The, yeah. the, o- the only thing worse <laughs> than the, the original is the new version. You could have just said technological. Blah, nope. blah, blah. Nope. Don't know? say those words. Uh-uh. You don't even say technological. You don't nope. use the word technological at all. Never. Wow. Nope. It's too close. It's too I, close. Yeah. I don't use any of those words. No, that's not true because some of those words I actually need. You don't use pedagogical. Use, you don't use yeah, content. I do. I do use those. But I never use those three or four words in that sequence ever. Wow. wow. You know what I'm going to do? I try to avoid it. I'm going to go back through 
all of the recordings. Oh, well, I definitely have said it, right? And And I I think I've mentioned before that I have to pay this fine. This is... I'm I'm part of a small club of people that that have have this agreement that we have to send money uh, when we use and, that. And then what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a song. Oh, and I'm going to drop think, it on. <laughs> yeah. I think you should Stop. have your son. Oh, that'd make, be fantastic. Make, make a and he could sample right from the episode. He could. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It could oh, just yeah. be like you sampled pedagogical, pedagogical <laughs> content knowledge. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I I think that I think I can think of no better way to end the show unless we could have ended the show two minutes ago and not had this in the public. <laughs> well, you know that's how we make it to number one on the best. Yeah, that's it's, how it's we like... make it to number one is with my <laughs> with my well with Enzo's exceptional draft of a of a song. We it'll be our mm. outro music. That <laughs> oh we, that there it is done. It is. Oh. <laughs> I. Oh. I, I, there's been many times we have groaned in this episode today, you know. Yeah, well, it's yeah. you know, it's a thing that uh, it's a thing that old white men do is is we <laughs> right. say stuff and then other members of our of our clan go ah oh. uh, which or is, when they're standing up or sitting down well, and yes. over dad noises <laughs> getting out of bed or... yeah all that <laughs> picking up a heavy thing like oh <laughs> yeah. well I think we've uh, descended into the the pit. Of madness, yeah. which is where yeah. we usually end up. But yeah. it was good. This episode. is where people they usually stop when they say, "Oh, there's five minutes left." This is I'm yeah. Helena. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then there's a very small population that skip right to this, and this is they don't listen yeah. to the whole episode. They just go to the end. They just go to the joys, and they're like, yeah. "This is the most interesting. This is the most yeah. entertaining part." Yeah. Huh? Hey, yeah. to we each their own, you know? Right. We're here for that. Yep. Yeah. Listen to what you want to listen to. You 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 are the curator of your own world. You you decide. Yeah. Notice he didn't, you know, the the guy who compiled this list didn't say, and there's joys at the end of every episode. No, he didn't say that. He should have. That's mention. like the big selling point. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. All right. It's all good. It's happy all to good. make the list. Yeah. yeah. We're on happy, somebody's happy list. Happy to be number five. Yeah. We'll only need one hand to show what, what, our, yeah. uh, what our level is in the, in the list. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring the fact that you and I do zero promotion for this show, like there's no tier. T- uh, t-shirts no swag no. that you can buy no. you know no, no. patreon no we're, we're patreon. Anti, anti-promotional no we're just doing this for the love yeah love it we actively so, encourage people not to listen yeah especially if you yes. if you listen to doing this a good point job. <laughs> yeah look at look at how successful we are driving <laughs> listeners away that's great our metrics say something different though yeah you know, well, I do. You know so yeah we'll, yeah we'll, but that's that's for another day. No, we won't talk. Don't jinx us. Touch wood when you say stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I am. Well, hey, it was great seeing everybody today, talking to everybody. You know. Yeah. So we'll see. You next just time. I'm just seeing you and talking to you. Yeah. So I guess that's. You know. Thanks for clarifying <laughs> how podcasts <laughs> work. All how the, the medium works. <laughs> so in case you've not heard one of these before. You can't this. actually respond and have us hear you. You can't actually see me or Scott. Oh, oh no. Uh, wow. All right. Yeah, there you go. Catch you yeah. next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.